Welcome to the Christchurch Conway podcast. We hope you find this podcast to be a resource that helps you grow in your faith through the study of scripture and theology. As the kids head back to their seats, uh, our passage is from Mark chapter 10. As is up here on the screen, we're going to be looking at verses 46 through 52, which is probably a familiar story to you. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus uh, being given back his sight. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy, inspired, and authoritative word. This is what we read. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Most gracious Father, as we look now at your word, I ask that you would... Illumine our hearts and minds by your Spirit. Strengthen us that we might serve you and understand your Word. That we might believe and come to Christ for the mercy that he longs to give. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Well, like I said, this is probably a very familiar story. It's not the only time that it's recorded in the Gospels that a blind man receives sight. But there's some interesting things that happen in this passage. And and so what we're going to do today is as we look at this passage, we're just going to kind of walk through the passage and just ask some questions of the passage and of the people in the passage and, and see how it is that Scripture answers those questions. But before we do that, I want to make one kind of apologetic note because I know that y'all are kind of astute Bible readers and and you may be going, wait a minute, I remember this story from Luke and there are some differences. And I remember this story from Matthew and there are some differences. What gives? Is is the Bible wrong at some point or, or how do we understand these differences? So very briefly, before we get into kind of the meat of things, I want to address that. First of all, when we look at Matthew's account, Everything is basically the same except for there's two people uh, that are blind that are healed. Well, two people being healed and one person being healed aren't mutually exclusive. If two people were healed, then one person was healed, at least, right? And so it may just simply be the difference between Matthew and Mark that Mark chose, for whatever reason that's lost to us, to focus just on Bartimaeus. So that difference really isn't all that problematic at all. Now, Luke is a little bit different. He's got the story happening on the way into Jericho, whereas Matthew and Mark have it happening on the way out of Jericho. So what do we do with that? Well, there's two options here that I'll just announce very quickly. First, we know that Luke and Matthew, even though their Gospels are a lot longer than Mark's, they tend to tell the stories in the Gospel 
with fewer words than Mark does. I don't know exactly how that works out. Mark runs on at the mouth when he tells the story, but his gospel is like 10 chapters shorter than everybody. I'm trying to master that. I haven't gotten there yet. But, but we know that when you compare the stories, Luke had a tendency to cut out some details and just get to kind of some of the meat of the story. So it may be that he said, on their way to Jerusalem, and then he cuts out the part where Mark says, on their way out this happened, and where he gives us the name. Luke doesn't include any of that. And then he tells the rest of the story almost identically. So it could just be Luke's normal kind of propensity to edit. It also could be the fact that there were actually two Jerichos that that were about a mile apart. There was old Jericho that they talk about in the Old Testament, and then there was the new Jericho that Herod had built, just kind of across this big valley from the old Jericho. So it's entirely possible that Bartimaeus was on the road between these two Jerichos, and at one point, the story is told as they left one Jericho, and, but from Luke's perspective, they tell it as they were going into the other Jericho. So I, I say all that simply to say, if you catch on to things like that as you're reading these different gospel accounts, the conclusion to draw isn't, oh, the Bible's not trustworthy, it's not consistent, it gets the details wrong. There's always an explanation for why that might be. And it often comes down to, well, if four different people tell a story, they're going to emphasize things slightly differently. And that's what we see happening here. So with that said, let's jump in to this story. And let's begin with this question. Why did I choose, as we talk about blind Bartimaeus, for the Old Testament reading that normally parallels the New Testament passage that we're looking at, why did I choose such an utterly like despairing text as Ecclesiastes 4, 1 to 4. That, that tells us that there's oppression everywhere you look and nobody seems to care about the oppression. And by the way, all of our like, go get them and, and go do better and go pursue excellence. Guess what? That all comes from a place of envy and sin. Like, what does that have to do with this? Well, here's what it has to do with that. What I want us to see this morning as we look at this story is that like Bartimaeus, we are in need of mercy. Every one of us. And and there's very few places in the Bible better than almost anywhere in Ecclesiastes to remind us that we need mercy. Ecclesiastes is, is not a particularly uplifting book. Unless you're wanting to be encouraged by the fact that you need mercy. Because what Solomon says as he goes through looking at the world is that everything is messed up. Everything is broken. Everything is vain. And that means everyone needs mercy. And that's really what's at the heart of this story. So, so that's, what, that's why I set us up there. It's to, to kind of begin thinking about ourselves and going, wait, is that how I look at things? It is. The, the Bible assesses us that way. So we come to this story about Bartimaeus. And, and you, you know the story. Bartimaeus is, I mean, he, he's in a bad situation kind of every way you look at it. He's blind, right? Braille hadn't been invented yet. They didn't have any of the technology that, that helps those who, who are blind function in life. None of that really existed yet. His only option was to beg. And, and so that's what he was doing. 
But then we see this other issue. He, his name is Bartimaeus, which is Aramaic for son of Timaeus, which is how Mark explains it. Well, Timaeus is a Greek name. So probably he wasn't, it, it might have been a situation that his dad was Greek and his mom was Jewish, but probably he was in a position ethnically that, that he wasn't everybody's favorite. So you've got this guy that, that people seem to not really particularly care for, even in how the disciples respond to him. It's like, have y'all completely missed what Jesus does for people that need him? And we'll get to that in a minute. But, but kind of every way you look at it, he's in a very difficult position in life. He can't provide for himself. He's, he's left to beg on the side of the road. And, and probably, ethnically, he's somewhat of an outcast. But he hears something happening. There's all these people going by, and he wants to know what's going on. And they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. So he, he starts to cry out. And what's his plea? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's his plea. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now there's three things that I want us to see about Bartimaeus' plea. First, it's not this kind of general call for mercy. He is particularly addressing Jesus. His request is directed at this particular person passing by. Jesus, you, you're the one that I need to do something. Don't know who all these other people are. Never heard of them. But I have heard of you. And I, I have heard of you that you are one who gives sight to the blind. I've heard of you that you are the one who heals the sick. I've heard of you that, that you're the one who drives out demons. I, I've heard incredible things about you. Jesus, you're the one that I think can help me. He understands that Jesus is unique in the world. And, and we see people are catching on to this. In, in droves. And, and as we've gone through the gospel, we see that they're, they're bringing their sick to Jesus because they, they think when nobody else could, he can help. The lady with the flow of blood who spent all of her money trying to get better and, and, and used all of her money on physicians finally thinks, maybe Jesus, maybe, maybe he can help me. And of course he does. And we see this happen over and over and over. And it happens here with Bartimaeus. It's a particular plea to this one. But then he addresses him as the son of David. And, and son of David is used a, a handful of times throughout uh, the Gospels. It's used 16 times in the Gospels. And it always, in some way, is referencing back to the messianic expectation of a son of David who would come bringing the kingdom of God. And so Bartimaeus is, is confessing, one, Jesus, you're the one who I think might be able to help me. But then he, he gets into why? Because he's the son of David. He's the Messiah. Now, why does that matter for a blind man? Well, remember when John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus saying, John wants to know, are you the one or should we look for someone else? What was Jesus' response? He didn't just simply say, yes, I am the one. I am the promised Messiah. Go tell him that. No, he said, go tell him what you see. That the blind receive their sight, that the lame are healed, that the poor have good news preaching. In other words, what Jesus' response was, go tell John, I'm doing all the Messiah things. 
Because that's what the Messiah was expected to do, was to restore both the kingdom and the people of the kingdom. He was the one who would give healing where it was needed. He was the one who would bring salvation. And somehow, Bartimaeus has caught on to the fact that that's who Jesus is. He is the son of David. But notice his vision for this kingdom, Bartimaeus' vision for this kingdom is much different than what we've seen. He confesses Jesus, son of God, but then his request is almost exactly the opposite of the disciples that we saw last week. Remember, their request was, let us sit one at your right hand and give us the places of honor when you come into your glory. Bartimaeus says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now, mercy is one of those words that we throw around a lot in Christianity. And and, and we throw out all different kinds of of definitions and, and we contrast it with grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And that's helpful kind of as far as it goes. But, but the problem is this story isn't about Bartimaeus not getting something. It's not a story about him not getting what he doesn't deserve. It's a story about very much about him getting something positive, namely his sight. So, so I think as we think about mercy and as we, as we put it together and, and look at how it's used in the New Testament, we see kind of five different ways that it's used. It's used in benedictions a lot, grace, mercy, and peace, okay? That doesn't really help us understand it. It's used, Paul uses the explanation for his means of ministry. He was called by the mercy of God, okay? But then it's also used frequently in healings that people who are needing healing come to God and ask for mercy. It's also told, uh, it's, it's also said to be in, in, in 1 Peter 1 and Titus 3, especially in Ephesians 2, that it's what sinners receive from God in Christ Jesus. And then it's used to remind us of how we are to be toward each other. When we start putting all these pieces together, as I told the kids, a a better way, I think, to think about mercy is acknowledging and addressing someone's need. That's what mercy is about. It's about acknowledging and addressing someone's need. If you're a merciful person, you you don't just see all the people that are needy. You're, You're known as being merciful because you recognize it and you address it. You do something about it. You actually care. You actually have compassion on the person. That's what Bartimaeus needed. He needed someone to recognize his situation and address it and fix it. Because he couldn't. He couldn't make himself see again. And he clearly hadn't found anybody else that could address it either. He needed true, full-throated mercy. And his hope is that Jesus, the son of David, he will be the one who can show me mercy. Have mercy on me. Notice also, he's not going to Jesus here for some kind of like salvation. 
He's not, there's, he's, he's not calling out, save me from my sin. As we go through the story, that's not his request. He wants to see. He's going to Jesus with this very real, very tangible need. I want to see. Can you open my eyes? Sometimes we, we spiritualize things to such a point that we forget that Jesus is actually concerned with our lives. That we don't just call out to him in the pastoral prayer for healing, for comfort, because, oh, that's kind of what we're supposed to do, and it, you know, it's kind of a nod. No, he's actually concerned about these things. He is actually merciful, not just spiritually, but even towards our physical needs. He's compassionate. He cares. And Bartimaeus gets that. The crowd that's following Jesus, which includes his disciples, who had just kind of been pining for glory, this is their response to him. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. That's that's the crowd's response. Hey, shut up. You're disturbing things. You're making a scene. We're going to Jerusalem for the kingdom and you're sitting here crying out, you beggar that can't even walk with us. Just be quiet and let us get on with this all-important work that we're following Jesus to do. Now, we know from the passages that are coming how it was that the people following Jesus were thinking about what was about to happen. They were thinking he was going into Jerusalem to bring the kingdom in power. He was about to get some stuff done. There was about to be a whole new revolt, a whole new revolution, and things were going to be made right. And they were sorely disappointed. And when that's not what happened, we know from the gospel accounts that largely... They abandoned him. When it went down the way it did, they all left. So we're right to see here a contrast in in what people are expecting from Jesus. And it forces us to ask, what have we come to Jesus for? Are we coming to the son of David, the Messiah, who would bring mercy to the people of God for mercy... The, the thing that he promised, the thing for which he came? Or are we like the crowds who are in this for glory and would just as soon all of these mercy-hungry people would shut up and get out of the way so that we can get on with the business of building something powerful and strong and glorious that we get to be a part of? It's good for us to search our heart on that. Why is it that we've come to Jesus? What is it that we're looking for? Are we coming, as as we talked about last week, with this theology of glory, hoping that it will be made much of and, and will be part of this great thing? 
Are we coming with this theology of the cross? Recognizing that we bring nothing, but that Christ, through his cross, gives us everything. The contrast in in these responses to Jesus are important because the people that are telling this, this man in need of mercy to shut up are the people that are following Jesus the most closely. They're right there with him. They're, they're, they're going to Jerusalem. They are headed to the kingdom. But what they're missing, to quote James Edwards, is that the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. That's who the kingdom is for. Not the well-meaning, but the desperate. We started with Ecclesiastes 4 because I wanted us to see, just from that little glimpse, the desperation that's in this world. Hoping that it would spark us to be honest for just a second about the desperation that's in us. Because that's who the kingdom is for. The kingdom is for people that need Jesus to be merciful to them. And so our response needs to be like Bartimaeus. When when the crowds tell him, be quiet, you're getting in the way, you're making a scene with all of your pleas for mercy, what does it say that he does? I lost my place. Many rebuked him, but he cried out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. What does Bartimaeus teach us here? That we should always keep crying out for mercy. That the people following Jesus may be the one saying, you need to take it down a notch. You're, that's getting a little bit much. All this talk about mercy, all this talk about need, all this talk about grace, that's, it's getting a little bit much. Why don't you try to take care of yourself a little bit? But he cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. Is that where we live? Crying out all the more for mercy from Jesus because we're in desperate need of it we may pretend to be well-meaning we may pretend to have it together we we may pretend like all we, we may wear those masks and we might do a good job at it but what Bartimaeus reminds us is that we don't have to because the way Jesus expects us to come is admitting that we need him to be merciful to us. And that's how it's always been with God. That's what we saw in Hosea. That's what we saw in Jeremiah. Go back to the Old Testament. What is, what is so much of the law given to? How to go make sacrifices when you've sinned. Why? Because he knows his people need mercy. That's how God expects us to come. Utterly undone, utterly broken, with nothing in our hands, just 
calling out blindly, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Acknowledge my need and address it. And that's how we're called to be to each other. Because that's how Jesus has been to us. That's what it means to be merciful to people. To acknowledge their need and to address it. And yes, I get it. That means we have to step into their pain to some level. And we don't like that. We would rather be with the crowd just being like, hey, just can you take it down a notch? I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can do this. Just be quiet. Let's just pretend everything's good and follow this dude. But when he keeps calling out, Jesus stops. And then he says, and, and you miss this in the English because it's all replaced by just one, one pronoun. They called the blind man. I want us to see clearly what happens here. Jesus stops the, the procession. And he looks at the people that were just telling Bartimaeus to shut up. And he tells them, go get him and bring him to me. I mean, look, they, they must have just been like, oh, we missed the boat on that one. That was the biggest swing and a miss ever. Because Jesus looks at them and says, go get him and bring him to me. But even that is the mercy of Christ. Because what he didn't do was look at them and rebuke them like they had rebuked Bartimaeus in his need. Why? Because what Jesus came to do was show mercy, even when we don't realize we need it. And so what does he do? He, address, he acknowledges their need. Y'all don't get what I'm about. And he addresses it. Y'all go get him and bring him to me. Everywhere you look in the Gospels, Jesus is being merciful to the people around him. And so they do. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. All, all of a sudden, their attitude has changed dramatically. So he throws off his cloak and he runs to Jesus. And Jesus asked the same question. And, and even in the Greek, it's almost identical that he asked his disciples back in verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Mark has put these stories together purposefully. The disciples come, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, glory. That's what we want. This guy comes, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Help me see. Acknowledge my need and address it. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You're the one who can fix this. You're the one who can meet my need. Let me recover my sight. Do you see the difference between the disciples and Bartimaeus? What can I do for you? You can give us glory. You can make us good. You can make us, oh, put us in the great places. Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? I, I just want to be able to see. That's it. 
And, and isn't it interesting that there's, there's nothing here about salvation? That there's nothing here. And I get it. We can turn it into this big metaphor, right? We write songs about it. Not bang on Amazing Grace. I love it. I once was blind, but now I see, right? I, yes, we can turn this into this metaphor for salvation, and we should. There's, a, there's a, a sense in which we should. But we've also got to see that we can come to Jesus with other stuff. What is it that's weighing on you? You can go to him for that. Now, this isn't the health and wealth gospel. I'm not going to stay here and say, oh, if you have enough faith, you're going to be able to do all these. No, I don't know what his answer will be. I don't know how he'll choose to be merciful to you. But here's what I know. There's nothing that you can't go to him with and ask for mercy. There's no despair. There's no fear. There's no sickness. There's no sin that you can't go to Jesus with and ask for mercy. Sometimes we, 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 we turn Jesus into to nothing more than a spiritual Savior. He does that. He forgives our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I'm not downplaying that at all. But he does more than that. And he asks us to come to him for more than that. Even the Lord's Prayer that we pray every week, it isn't just save me and forgive my sins. It's give me this day my daily bread. Show me that mercy. Acknowledge my need, Father, and address it. Do you have needs that you need Jesus to acknowledge and address? Go to him. Go to him. And ask for mercy. And, and what's interesting is, is you see in all of these healings, they never ask for mercy, actually. Annie, if, if you ever hear Annie or I talk about our engagement story, a key part of it is that I never actually asked her to marry me. She was like, what do you want? I was like, we're getting married or something like that. There was no question. When all these sick people come to Jesus, there's not a question either. The, the, the verb form in the Greek is an imperative. They're commanding Jesus to do something. Show them mercy. Be who you are. The merciful Messiah. And so Jesus says, go your way your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovers his sight. And here's a fascinating turn in this story. Jesus didn't say, come follow me. This guy said, recover my sight. And Jesus just said, okay. Okay. You know what to come to me for. You get it. You came to me for mercy, and you get it. But then Bartimaeus does something different. Jesus told him, go your way. And his way, it turns out, was following Jesus. 
Now, now picture, picture this with me, if you will. Be, be, let me be a little bit creative for just a second. This dude's been blind, we assume, his entire life. At least for a long time. Because he's been left with nothing, and there's apparently no one to care for him. So he's a beggar. And he looks at Jesus, or calls out to Jesus, and says, recover my sight. He does, and then he follows him to, to Jerusalem, where probably he saw him tried and killed. I mean, one of the first events that he sees is the death of the one who heals him. Because he chose to follow him. And he saw that, that what he did was go to the cross for his people. What an amazing thing to see within the first week or so of being able to see anything. The death and resurrection of your Savior. The death and resurrection of the one who showed you mercy. Jesus opened his eyes in time to see that. He showed him that mercy. When even his disciples wouldn't. That's who our Savior is. He's one who is concerned for us and has come to us to show us mercy, to acknowledge our need, physical, spiritual, across the board, and address them according to his will. That's who your Savior is. The God who is full of mercy. Call out to him for the very thing that he came to give you. And you will receive it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this picture of, of the depth of your mercy. We thank you that, that your mercy and, and your dispensing of your mercy isn't determined by your people. Because like the crowds in this story, we so often get it wrong. We thank you that, that we can come to you blind. But still in faith. Because faith comes from hearing about who you are. And so even as we've heard this morning that you are the merciful God. The one who acknowledges and addresses our needs according to your perfect will. Would you teach us to call out to you for mercy? And would you stop and hear us? And would you heal us? That we might follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Conway podcast. We hope this teaching has helped you grow in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Please feel free to share this resource so that others may also be strengthened in their faith through the study of scripture and theology.